It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to another edition of Showtime with Coop. Insightful BS with my Laker teammates and NBA legends. And I told y'all, I kept telling you guys, I said, you know what? I'm going to get him. People were emailing me, texting me. Coop, you got to have Big Shot on. Big Shot, I'm like, Big Shot. Oh, Robert Ory. And finally, here he <laughs> is. Big Shot Rob. How you doing, sir? Man, I'm good, Coop. How you be, brother? Man, I am so blessed. Uh, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're talking about the 11th pick in the 92 draft, drafted by Houston, went on to play for three other teams, the Phoenix Suns, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Spurs. Rob, what we like to do on this show, because we get to let the fans know people, tell us about your early upcomings, okay? What it was like for you growing up? Who were some of your role models? You know, growing up, I grew up in Alabama. Um, if you look at my bio, it, oh, it says Maryland. I was born in Maryland because my dad was in the military. So of course, back then they would be, you know, go from station to post to station to post. And then eventually he got shipped to Germany. And then that's when my mom was like, oh no, we're not going to Germany. And so we kind of stayed in Alabama. And after that, you know, I just, you know, when he came back doing his three year stint in Germany, by that time, my mom had established herself as a teacher. And, you know, they, you know how long distance relationships are. They don't really work out too well. so. I grew up in Alabama. I had, you know what, Coop, I look back on my life and I, and and the people who were in my life as far as teachers and coaches, they all were great, man. And and that's one of the things that, that's, that's really beneficial to a lot of people when you grow up in a small town. Everybody treats you like they're your child. And I was very fortunate to have teachers and coaches that were always pushing me. I remember one time when I was in elementary school, we playing basketball and I kept going right, kept going right. The coach goes over and says, you're not allowed to go right anymore because you're too good going right. You need to go left. I'm like, why? They can't stop me going right. I'm like, <laughs> and then he's like, no, you need to go left. You know what I did? I dropped the ball and went to start playing baseball. Like that's too hard, you know? <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's one of those things. But then you look back on your life. I should just listen to it more and went left and did other things. And even when I got to middle school, my, my middle school coach was like, take over. It's basketball. We just having fun. He's, no, we need to win. Take over. And then when I got to high school, my, you know, I think Richard Robertson, he was probably the, the most influential uh, person, a man in my life other than my father. And he was just always on me to be better from being in a, you know, taking over a team. When I was a sophomore, he's like, this is your team. You know, your brother, it was your brother's team last year. This is your team now. And then even when I, you know, go to class and miss a class, he was on me about getting my school work and everything of that nature. So he was just, he was just great, man. It was his funny stories. Um, you know, when you're a senior, 
you, you know, you, you say, okay, I, I never missed a day of school. I'm going to take a day off, right? So I took a day off. By nine o'clock, I hear a knock on my door, and it's my high school coach. He's like, what are you doing? I said, man, I need a day off. He says, no, you don't. Get your butt up and get your clothes on go to school. I said, okay, I, okay, coach. He, I closed the door. I hit the doorbell. He says, why are you <laughs> 10 minutes late? He literally waited 10 minutes. <laughs> Came back to the said, Boy, I told you to put your clothes on. So I, I had to get up and go to school, man, because he wanted me to make sure I got my education. And so, you know, growing up, those guys and those teachers were so influential in my life, man. I'm, I'm, I think for me, it was the best thing because I have my, my attention span can be short at times. When you have people like that in your life that are on you, they make you focus. Rob, you know, that's the one thing, uh, if you can expound on that a little bit more, I always tell kids there is a life after basketball. And I'm glad that you hit on that. Obviously, your mom being a teacher, she wasn't going to let your academics, you know, wane anyway. But again, it's always important when the coaches are after you, that person, that thing that you love the most, which is sports and basketball in this case here, wanted to do. And here's your coach after you about your academics. Talk a little bit about what that has done for you after basketball. You know, for, for me, it was it was always something that was high on my priority list. Um, one of my greatest achievements was making, you know, all academic team when I was in high school. I was academic player of the year in high school and player of the year basketball in high school. Wow. So those two accomplishments for me were just you know fantastic. It made it made my mama smile. And then when I got into college, you know, I was on the academic SEC all academic team. That was you no know, important for me. And then you know. Recently, I just recently graduated from college. So, uh, congratulations, Rob. Thanks. You know what's weird though? What made me really do it is your, your former teammate, Byron Scott. I saw where he went back and got his degree. And I was like, because I had always been tinkering with it. Because when I left, I did four years of college. And while I was there, I did the easy way out. And I don't mean the easy way out in the bad way. I just took the minimal amount of classes. And all my coaches were mad at me be doing it. Since if you fail a class, you being in eligible, I said, listen, this is me. I ain't failing no class, dude. I don't like failing anything I do. So <laughs> I just took, you know, I did a five-year program. So I said, you know what? Because I didn't think I'd play in the NBA. Uh -huh. I just I want to, you know, get my degree, be a coach slash teacher, whatever it may be, you know, because that's everybody in my mom's side of the family is teaching. And my mom and my dad was like, you're not going to the military, son. You're too tall. And, and I don't want nobody shooting at you. So yeah. I didn't do military. And even though I was in ROTC and all that stuff, just for a backup plan. But the educational part was so important. And, and after I went back and got my degree, I don't think I've ever seen my mom smile this big. Not even on my first contract in NBA, now on my big contract that I signed with the Lakers. But when I got my degree from the University of Alabama, my mom's smile was so huge, you know, because, you know, that's all she ever wants for your children to finish a job. And my, you know, my education was great at Alabama, but I didn't finish because a bigger job called me. And I always tell people, you go to college to educate yourself and to get a good job. Hell, I had one of the best jobs ever planned. Right. It gets no better than that. So I never went back to finish. And you know, when COVID hit, I said, I don't like we're gonna be going there for a while. So I'm gonna be stuck in the house. I'm able to you know, finish my degree. And, I, and the people at the University of Alabama really helped me out. They told me all the classes I had to take and I finally got my degree. Congratulations, Rob. Uh, you know what? As basketball players, people don't think we, uh, uh, well, we can be bad. But again, when you're that special child, did you ever get whippings, Rob? You ever get a whipping? Tell us about that one whipping you got that, that you really remember. Oh, I remember a bunch of them. So get this. Um, I I was, um, me and a friend of mine, 
we went to the store and of course, you know, I, I didn't have enough money. So I walked out of the store with, the, with this Reese cups. It was, a, it was a, it was one, two, it was a 12 pack of Reese cups. And I said, you know what? I just put it in my notebook and I walked out. So of course they caught me and I can't believe I'm telling you a story, Coop, but this is how much I love you. <laughs> I walked out, you know, it was at a Piggly Wiggly and they called my grandma. Cause my mom was, she was getting her master's. So she was in Huntsville, Alabama getting the master's. And so let's just say this, my grandmama whooped me. Then my grandfather whooped me. And then my mom drove in from Huntsville. She whooped me. And then my dad drove in from South Carolina. And then he whooped me. So that let me know right now not to ever steal again. So I was like, man. And uh, that was one of the things that I always said to myself. I said, you know, you have to do what's right in life. And stealing is not right. And even though I know how, how big or small it is, Reese cups, even though they're still my favorite to the day, every time I pick up one, I think about those four ass whoopers I took. <laughs> hey, Rob, Rob, you know, it was so ironic, man. The same thing happened to me when I was 12. The, the guys were smoking, and this was at a Rouse. And uh, they, they was like, Coop, it's your turn to get the cigarette. I didn't have any money. So I'm like you. So I walked in. Me and my cousin walked in. We looking around. And we, I grabbed a carton of uh, Cools cigarettes <laughs> off the thing, and I ran. We ran out the back. And there was this, like, eight-foot-high wall. And we had put a crate down there so you can jump on the wall and jump over the fence. Well, my cousin got, hit that mug that was over the fence, man. Came my turn here. I come. I'm running. Rob, I got my leg over, and the dude grabbed me by my leg, man, and pulled me back over. And I'll never forget this. That man held me by the back of my shirt, said, you know what? You'll never be nothing but a little thief. You'll all the way home. Called my uncle. We lived two blocks from the store. Got home. When I walked in the house, my uncle came down. He goes, Mike, you all right? The guy didn't, that message you. I said, no, no. He says, you're going to be okay, man. You don't, you don't ever have to steal anything. Got home. He said, I want you to go upstairs and take all your clothes off. As I'm walking upstairs, my grandmother threw a shoe at me and hit me in the head, her house shoe. My uncle took me upstairs, Rob, and beat me with a belt. He said, Michael, I'm only doing this to make you a better person. That guy beat me, man. Rob, to this day, I never have stole. You can leave a million dollars out and with nobody. I'm always thinking somebody's going to look at I never, I, I didn't steal. Never no. steal. But you don't have to steal, man. So At least he was nice about doing it. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was nice. <laughs> and I only got one. Rob got four of them. <laughs> hey, I got four for one incident. I said, man, I'm never going to steal it. Hey, every time I see a Piggly Wiggly night, you know, you'll see that many more, but you go to sleep. <laughs> I see a Piggly Wiggly. I'm like, hey, even though, you know, nowadays these shows, they show, oh, Piggly Wiggly. I'm like, hey, I remember that time I took a butt but four times. <laughs> what was Alabama like when you were growing up there and going to college there? You know, um, growing up in Alabama, was it, it was different. Um, I know my wife, uh, Candace, and she's from California, and I took her to Alabama, and she was like, this is a little different. And I said, every city's not the same. You know, I grew up in a small town, so it's different. That's all I'm going to say about that. And, you know, I give you an example. We were only allowed two black cheerleaders on the team. And, uh, and you know, my senior year, we, we, we put up a big ruckus about that and we got four that year. So that was a good thing. And it was, wow. it was the first time ever in my life that I kind of feel like I had to stand up for my culture because um, uh, even go back even further that in little league, I played baseball. Baseball was my first love. And so little league, we had a game and the ball hit over. It was a foul ball. I'm playing first base right in front of the opposing team's coach. And I was like, 
can you throw the ball? He's, boy, you better walk over and get this ball. And I looked around like, I just stood there. So make a long story short, I didn't make the all-star team that year. And we only had three uh, blacks make the all-star. And one of the guys was, since we we won the league, right? So whoever wins the league, the coach gets to be the coach of the all-star team. I don't make the all-star team. But what they would do is they will have the team that wins it plays the all-star team to get them ready. And I'm the best player in the league. And I didn't make all-star. And everybody's wondering why I didn't make it. And so I told the coach that day, I'm pitching. Let's just say this. My team, which was all black, and we only had three white guys on our team. It was reversed. The two, the, we had three because two were brothers. They were the richest white kids in town. His their dad was a doctor. So we went to Pizza Hut after every game. So it was cool. And we had the one kid that was really, really poor white kid. And nobody wanted him on a team because he couldn't afford shoes and all this kind of stuff. But we had him on a team. And so I pitched in the All-Star game. We beat the All-Star team 30 to 4. Wow. This is an all-star team now because this I was, nine innings. I hit three home runs and again, everybody's like, why Robert didn't make the all-star team? It was because of this guy that didn't, you know, he was saying that I was a bad influence. I'm like, no, you call me boy. Even right. though I'm only a teenager, I mean, you know, in 12 years old, but I'm not going to stand for that. You call me a boy and tell me to fetch it. I'm like, no. So, and I, that's one of the mm-hmm. things that when you're growing up in Alabama, you remember the stories, you remember, the, you know, the streets you can't walk down and all these kinds of things. And it, and, and, and it made you stronger as a person, but it also made you mindful of your environment. And I, I tried to pass that along to my boys now, even though, you know, in Cali is a little different situation. Yeah. You know, I, even with my middle son and my oldest son, you have to remind them, I say, hey, at the end of the day, you're black. Yeah. You got to be mindful of your surroundings regardless. So you might have money, but you're still black because they can't yeah. see. There's no, no thing because, hey, my dad's an NBA player, clashing cultures. My dad has money at clashing cultures. You're black. That's the first thing they see. And, and that's what the thing that, that I, you know, going to Alabama will remind you of that because it's still a little suspect in certain places you go. And that's that. And I, I'm trying to be nice the way I say it. So that's a little yeah. suspect. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, and even next season futures. And don't forget that baseball is back and the start of the Major League Baseball season is finally here. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% off website. Oh, shit. I just started. It's super okay. easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, you're listening to Showtime with Coop. Uh, we got Robert Ori on, man. He's been enlightening us with his whippings. But, uh, Rob, we're at the stage of our show right now where I have, I call it Coop's Lightning Round. Uh-huh. I'm going to give you five names and you tell us as much or as little about the people I'm going to ask you about, okay? Okay. Okay, here we go. Your first one Wimp, Wimp Sanderson. Great coach, um, plaid jacket, plaid palace, um, still kicking in live today. I, he, he's mad at me right now because we had a 
20 year reunion, I didn't show up because I had to work on Spectrum. So he was mad. He's like, didn't you make enough money in your lifetime? Like, dude, don't be counting my money. <laughs> That's that one day up. <laughs> don't count my money. I'm still going to make money because pretty soon I can't, I'm not going to be able to see. I'm not going to be as handsome. You know, I got to put this face on TV while it lasts. <laughs> That's a good one, Rob. Uh, Latrell Sprewell. Great teammate. Um, funny story about him. Um, my dad's from Columbia. My dad lives in Columbia, South Carolina. And the first time I yelled at Sprewell was in, he was playing South Carolina. I'm rolling, Coop. I'm killing in South Carolina because I'm playing in front of my family. You know, Ori, Ori counties where Myrtle Beach and all that kind of stuff is from South Carolina. So I'm rolling and Spree decides to take the last shot. He gets fouled and misses free throws. We go in overtime. So after the game, I was like, I laid into him, boy. He looked at me and says, My bad, Rob. I, you know, I was trying to now. This is my this is this is when he learned it's not about you. It's about going with the guy who's hot. I said, you know how many times I defer to you guys? And I'm the man on this team and I'm deferring you, but uh great, great competitor, hard worker. And I think the best thing that ever happened to him was to get drafted by Golden State because Don Nelson made him become a really good player. He he was he was that guy that brought the best in speed. Because you could see the talent and the athleticism, but he just needed someone to bring that um the, the IQ out, I should say. Yeah. Rob, you know what? He had made a comment, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. He made a comment when he uh, passed up on a big contract. I believe he was at New York. And he said, you know what? This ain't, a, I think it was like 50 million, 60 million, yeah. something like that. He said, this ain't enough for me to feed my kids. <laughs> you know what, that that bothered a lot of people, the yeah. average working person. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? You know, it, it bothered me too. And, you know, you know, I got the inside scoop on that story and I'm not going to reveal it because, you know, okay. it's, it's a brotherhood at the end yeah. of the day. And it was just weird that he said that, but it was a lot of things in his life going on. Uh, personally, the reason he made that decision, I just think he wasn't, to me, I thought he was tired of basketball. And I'm just saying that that was one of the reasons he was, you know, he wanted to go uh, hang out with his kids and do other things. Spree was a tech guy. Yeah. Always trying to build stuff. Um, he would bring he would bring in speakers and just, uh, you know, you go in his, his dorm room, he has speakers in every corner. And he had him hooked up to his alarm clock. You know, this is before, you know, the technology is the days, but somehow he had wired it to the, some little rinky-dink alarm clock. So when it went off, the whole room started blaring because we used to have practices <laughs> at six in the morning. And next thing you know, at 5.30, his, his alarm goes off and wakes up the whole dorm. So, you know, he was a tech guy. He was always twi uh, twinkling with stuff. So he was he was a good guy, man. You know, and I figured it had to be something like that because, again, but it's just how he said it that kind of hurt yeah. people. But I like Spree, too. I, I, I re really respect him. Uh, your nemesis at Spectrum, James Worthy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, when I think of James, I think of the best voice ever. You know, you know, everybody thinks of his game, but his voice, man, is so great. Um, I, I know you yeah. have, Coop, but people oh. don't understand how he can sing and he knows all these lyrics and he knows everybody. He's just, you know, a great guy. I, I just, one thing I wish though, I wish out of, you know, Otis Storr, who was my mentor and I was with the Rockets. From day one, he tried to get me to pick up a golf club and I never would do it. I wish I would have, so I'd be good enough to kick James's butt so I can take some of that money and talk trash on the show. <laughs> You're pretty good, Rob, I heard. I heard yeah. it pretty good, though. Yeah, but Otis is really good, man. Him and Clyde, they're really good. So I've been playing with them, so I got better. But now I'm, I'm too I'm too old in the game now, Coop. I ain't picking up no clubs, man. It's too expensive. <laughs> yeah, same with Coop. Coop doesn't golf either. 
no, I ain't chasing after that little ball. Anyway, next person, Phil Jackson. I never had a conversation with this guy. What? You believe this. As yeah, a coach? This is a story I tell everybody. I've never had a full-on conversation with him. The only This is the closest conversation we had. I was getting treatment for my back with Gary Vee. You know Gary Vee. We all yeah. love it. Phil, I think he had something with his foot or something. So he comes in. I'm on the table. He sits down. We never talked. He looks at me. He's like, what happened between you and um, Danny Ainge? I said, I didn't like him. I said, so I threw the towel in his face because he told me hit Mario in the face with the ball on purpose. Mario Ellis is my boy. So you know what? I never liked him. He's like, oh, okay. In the conversation. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is after he traded for you. So no, point, no, no, he didn't trade for me. I, I was, I got traded for Cedric Sabalas when he went on his sabbatical in okay. um, Lake Havasu or wherever it was he went, and I threw the towel in Den Ainge's face, and then we got swapped. So this was, this was after Dale, um, what's Dale, uh, Dale, the coach Dale Curry, Curry. Dale Curry, yeah. So yeah, that was a conversation me and me and Phil had, but um, Phil, great guy. We always, you know, we, I don't because I don't consider conversations in a huddle a conversation. I consider yeah. it like pop. I've had conversations with Pop, had a ton of conversations with Rudy T, but Phil and I, we've never had a conversation. You know, but I will, I will thank Phil for this, though. He introduced me to Walter Mosley. And because, you know, I feel gives out books all the time. Mm-hmm. The first book he ever gave me was called Gone Fishing. And it was about Ezekiel. We all know Ezekiel from The Devil in the Blue Dress. That's how most people know this character, that the character played by Denzel Washington. And so it was it's a, a series of books based on that character. And he gave me that book, and it was about Ezekiel, who grew up in Houston, even though I didn't grow up in Houston, played in Houston, then moved out to L.A. And I think that kind of resonated with me, even though, you know, um, I love fishing and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay. And I started reading, you know, more of his books and kind of fell in love with Walter Mosley's books. So, you know, uh-huh. I don't know if you're watching this new thing with um, uh, Samuel Jackson, I can't even say the guy's name, but that's a good show on Apple TV. You got to watch uh-huh. that too. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you ever really, really master the triangle offense while with Phil? Uh, man, let me just say this, man. When you have a good IQ and people say, oh, the triangle is this difficult. If you're a smart basketball player, it is not. Yeah. And when you have four years of college or three years of college, it is not. But if you play on these AAU teams now and you just let someone roll the ball out to you and you just be, yo, I'm going to play off my athleticism. All I know is a pick and roll and that's it. And one-on-one it's hard. But for yeah. me, mm. the triangle was so easy because if you, if you look at what we did in Houston, when we kind of started small ball in 95, mm-hmm. we ran the, pretty much the triangle. We just yeah. moved. The, you know, I was allowed to do whatever I wanted to. Um, on the backside of your dream, but dream really only liked me to pass the ball to him for some reason, because, you know, I, I'm, I was tall and could just snap it down to him where he liked to catch it, but it's just cutting. It's just cutting, spacing, and terminology, you know, blind pig, um, you know, snatch cut, you know, all these kind of terminologies. Like, dude, this is what we did in Houston. We just, yes. you know, it was all about reading how your defender played you. You either cut baseline or you cut over the top. And it, like, I think it was, for me, it was very simple. Like Stu Les say, read and react. That's Again, what exactly. we're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. So. And, and, and that's the thing with basketball players now. They don't know how to react or play without the ball because every guy now has to have the ball in their hand to be successful. Except Steph Curry. You know, he's always on the move and he's just, you know, one of those phenomenal players. Yeah. When did when did Big Shot Rob start? Um, I, it started in 95. 
um, it was it's, uh, Craig Kilborn was on ESPN and we were playing the San Antonio Spurs in 95. Um, and I was 0 for 8 or 0 for 9 or something like that. And I hit one shot and it was at the end of the game. And he was trying, he was trying to be, I think he was being sarcastic when he said, oh, big shot, Bob. I only made one shot that game. And after that, it kind of just stuck with me. And it's been, you know, rolling me ever since because I know a lot of guys you meet now, they'd be like, what's up, big shot? I, like, I want to ask him, do you even know my first name? You know, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, people don't, you know, as an athlete, even even know by your first name like Kobe or your last name like Coop. And so people sometimes don't even know what your first name is. <laughs> but Rob, I, you, I love that, man. Give me my respect because you know what? It don't yeah. matter what the, what's happening on the court, get the ball to Rob. And I mean, that was the one thing you were known for, being able to hit that shot. You could go 10 for 10 or you can go one for 10, but it's that one shot that everybody yeah. recognizes, man. So here's it. I mean, we, when I got traded to, well, I want to say trade, when I got let go into San Antonio, we were playing um, L.A. in their first game in San Antonio. And Cole went up to Carl Malone like, don't leave Rob. Carl like, I got it. No, you don't understand what I'm saying. Don't leave Rob. He's like, I got it. Don't leave. He said, it was so funny. I, said, I was like, Cole, shut up, man. Let me get them. Get them. And crazy thing is, he left me. But in the same spot I had missed the previous season when I was with the Lakers in San Antonio, I got the same shot. And in my mind, it's redemption time, right? Yeah. I'm rattling the same damn results. I missed the <laughs> shot. And Cole went over there and yelled at Carl, I told you not to leave, Rob. You lucked out this time. <laughs> is it so. is it really a feeling at the end of the game? Because, like, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, like, you know, the most clutch players in the NBA also happen to be the best players because they're going to shoot. They're going to get more opportunities at the end of the game and shoot to their percentages over the course of a big enough sample. But you kind of bucked that trend because yeah. you hit so many big time shots. Yeah, you know, I, 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 it's, it's weird that you brought that up because I tell people all the time, I say, I don't think you understand how hard it was for me to do that because during the course of a game, you know, it depends. You know, when you're not the star, you might get three, five, ten shots a game, you know, but you're not going to get more than 12 shots a game if you're not the star on the team, the teams I played for, unless I was, except for my first um, couple of years in Houston. And you have to be on point, man. But, you know, Luckily, I, I was on point a lot of those times. I had got a couple of shots, got a little rhythm. And for me, I always blank out. And what I mean, it just goes back to your fundamentals. It goes back to the mechanics. It goes back to those millions and millions of hours spent on a playground, in a gym, you know, doing all those shots. And it, it for me, every time I got the shot, it was like picture. It was a, it's like, do this, do that, do this shot, you know? And for me... I never really thought about it. I never, you know, cared if I got the shot. I always wanted the shot, but I'm like, you know what? If it comes to me, it comes to me. You know, it's a term I always like to say, the basketball guys will lead you to where you need to be. <laughs> hey, we listening to Robert Ory on Showtime with Coop. Rob, a couple of more questions for you, sir. Again, want to thank you for, for being on today. You know what? You played on so many spectacular teams, but the one team I really see that uh, that I kind of uh, identify you with is that great Spurs team. Tony Parker, uh, Tim Duncan, Ginobili. Tell us one thing that we don't know about Tony Parker that uh, you can say publicly. <laughs> uh, you know what? Tony, great teammate. Um, he was one of the fastest guys I've ever played with. Um, think about this for a couple of years, I think three, maybe four years, I don't remember. He led the league in points in the paint. You know, and, and you know how hard that is. And so 
I'm always trying to get my son, Christian, to try to, you know, emulate him. And it's weird. I said, dude, you got to be like Tony Park. Get in in here and learn how to shoot jumpers, little floaters. You know, get that soft touch around the basket because that's so important to me. You know, nowadays the game is built on the three, but Tony was a great teammate. Um, I'm the one who actually introduced him to Eva Longoria. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because I knew, I knew, I knew Eva from when I played in LA. So when she came, you know, she, it was all the big to do because desperate housewives and all this kind of stuff. So she came in the locker room. She came to me because she knew me from the Lakers and stuff. We were talking, and then I introduced her to Tony. And next thing you know, they're going. Did she asked to meet him. Yeah, he asked you to meet him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why do you think she's in the locker room? <laughs> <laughs> and it was so, it, when she came to the locker room. Everybody, everybody's like, "What the hell is this woman doing in the locker room?" And Pop was kind of like heated about it, man. He was like, "What's she doing?" You know, Pop was very protective of his players. You know, that's yeah. the thing I, I credit for. He he don't want his players to get no, no bad press, no you know nothing to distract you. So this was the Eva thing, and it was like so you know. Tony needs to, I don't know if you want to credit me for introducing the Eva because they divorced, but I don't know about that, but I'm the one that introduced the Eva. <laughs> what was your, what was your favorite championship? I think for me, 95 with the Rockets was my favorite championship just for the fact that um, we had to overcome so much, no home court advantage, right. beat Utah in Utah in game five. And they with tried the seven seed. Uh, it was a six seed, six seed, six seed. They tried in Utah. They tried to hold the clock. And they got an extra 10 seconds to get a shot off. We still won that game. Went on to play um, uh, the Phoenix Suns. We went down 3-1 in that series. 3-1. And y'all came back? A- yeah. A.C. Green was talking trash. Can you believe that? He oh, was talking guy, trash man. to all yeah. people. And I was like, uh-oh. And then we won that series. And then we went on to play San Antonio. And everybody talks about that series with Dream and David Robinson and D- uh, David Robinson got MVP. And then we went on to sweep Shaq and Penny in the finals. And so that mm-hmm. run was so spectacular for us because um, we went small ball. They moved me from the from the small forward to the power forward, which I was pissed about because, man, you know, Charles, uh, you played against Charles Coop. Yep. With that big old butt and the elbows, and you'd be hurting at the end of the game. So we went small ball. It kind of worked out into our favors. And, you know, and for me, I, I think it kind of uh, – put me in a box. And what I mean by that is all of a sudden I became this spot up four guy. And that that's what who that's not who I was. You know, I was a slasher. I was a post up guy. I do I I did a little everything in the game. But for me, you know, I've always been a team first guy. If that's what the coach want, that's what I'm gonna do. And all of a sudden I became this post up guy. And I went from having plays run for me my first four years in the NBA to like this guy does spot up. If you open shoot it, you know, and and it makes a big difference in the player's uh, uh, game if uh-huh. you get a play ran for you. And I used to, I'm going to play with Eldon Campbell. Eldon Campbell is the one guy I always like, yo, we got to run a play for Eldon. Because if you run a play for a guy, he becomes engaged. And Eldon, you give him one, two plays, and if he scores, oh, you're going to get an all-star type of player that night. So yeah. that's that's what I tell guys. I, I, even when I was coaching my AAU team, I ran plays for everybody on the floor. Mm-hmm. Even though some kids were reluctant to shoot, I said, no, I need that confidence for later on in case you have this moment where we need you. So you need to run plays for everybody at some point. Hey, Rob, you know, you said something interesting. A.C. Green talking trash. What's he going to say? 
Uh, the Lord is going to get you for not going to church. Uh, what, what, what kind of trash can he The do? Lord will smite you. <laughs> well, you know, because he was talking trash because the previous year they were up 2-0 on us and we came back to beat them and then became Bro, what kids. could he say? Tell uh, me he was like, it's never going to happen again. We are 3-1. That happened last year. It was a fluke. You know, we're the best team. We're going to beat them. And next thing you know, they, you know, he's, you know, tucking his, you know, tucking his tail. <laughs> Can't see AC Green saying fluke. That's too close to fuck. So I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we listened to Robert Ory. Robert, a couple more questions uh, uh, for you, man. Uh, your thoughts on the Lakers this year and in the future? You know, having to watch the Lakers, you know, over and over, it's, it's, this is the first time when you see a team, you feel bad for them. Um, and what I mean by that is they just had bad luck, you know, all the AD injuries and everybody – always talk about what he saw first of all you gotta get pushed on you you strain your mcl happened to me you're trying to throw all these lobs to this guy with a lot of traffic around him. he come down on someone's foot you know it, it, you have to protect him from himself sometimes and for me mm. they always want to throw ad lobs and i'm that's something that i would never do unless it's a fast break but in the paint with a lot of traffic i'm not doing that you know and, and with lebron lebron was fantastic this year um I just think they put Vogel in a bad situation, man, because he didn't have a – the yeah. big three never played together. Um, they kept changing the team on him. As a coach, man, I ain't going to lie. I had to say this, Coop. I won a championship, and next year I got a different team. I'd be pissed, man, Yeah. because you you want to not take away from my team, add to my team. Yeah. And I just feel like – you know, I don't think people understand how, how vital JaVale McGee was to that team. You know, people look at some of the antics he do, and they're like, oh – but they would take one bad play that he does and blow it up like he did 40 plays. I'm like, there's no different than LeBron coming down, trying to do a no-look pass, throwing it out of bounds, no look from AD. You know, everybody makes a mistake in the game, but his mistakes always seem to be bigger than what they were because you're going to get the best out of him. Think about it. During the championship, you're the first two points of the game, but halftime scored by him on an alley-oop. Yep. And it's, it's guys like that. You can see what he's doing with fingers right now. But it's guys like that are vital to teams, but the management somehow forgets the importance of the people who do the little thing. And you can't always go to the superstars because nine times out of 10, the superstar ain't dived on the floor for a ball. Nine times out of 10, the superstar ain't going to jump over the table and try to save a ball. You know, and I hate to say this, nine times out of 10, a superstar is the main one that ain't going to rotate to that guy in the corner because he's like, I don't respect it. You, you know what I mean? So right, yep. Well, and you got two superstars. Kobe misses, Shaq misses, ball gets bounced out to Robert Ory, who hits from the top of the key to beat the Kings, right? Like, sometimes superstars don't always make the right plays. Exactly, but you, you, you need I, – I, I look at the Lakers, and let's say you need five pieces to a pie, and they all have to fit perfectly. I don't think that pie – those five pieces fitted perfectly in that pie. It was too much or too little. It never was a perfect fit. And it, it was, to me, it was, I loved, I loved the Lakers. It was just, it wasn't right, man. It just wasn't, the situation just wasn't right. The pieces just didn't fit to me. And of course, uh, obviously the first hand that got a role is Vogel. Who do you think they bring in to coach the Lakers? Man, you know, I, I said this from day one. Um, I think it needs to be somebody that the guys respect. I said my first my first instinct was Sam Cassell because he's been around the league. He you know he has played with you know Spree, Kevin Garnett. He's been on the um, uh, what's his name up in Philly forever. And then my next my next pick was Darvin Ham, 
And mm. the reason I say Darvin Ham, and I was telling, I was telling our boy Brad Turner this, I was like, yo, this is why I would get Darvin Ham. I said, he's been an assistant coach. I said, he's, he, he, you think about it, he's an intimidating factor. If you look at Darvin Ham, there's no players that are going to challenge him because you might get your ass whooped. <laughs> and so now I'm looking at Darvin Ham, but also I'm like, LeBron, maybe two, three years left. Hmm. Giannis, two, three years left. Yo, Giannis, remember me? I coach you. Come on out to LA, guy. Come on out to LA. So to me, that's what I would be thinking. I would think for down the line or something of that nature, mm-hmm. even though not saying that is the main because Darvin Ham, I know him personally. Smart, smart guy. He'd been around in the NBA for a long time, played in this league. He understands the game. So those would be my, my two picks, but I wouldn't recycle anybody. You know, I, 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 it's my whole thing is if you've had three coaching jobs, four, you should never be a head coach again. You should either be an assistant or not a head coach because unless you know you feel and you won championships there, okay, but if you ain't won nothing, why are you being a coach again? Don't yeah. bring that guy to LA because LeBron, I hate, I don't know, I can't speak for LeBron, but I'm saying if it was me, this guy ain't won shit. Why am I respecting him? He yeah. coached this guy, this guy. I know, I know our team is good, but still though, at the end of the day, you need some X's and O's to get you through the game. And if the guy ain't won nothing and he struck out three times, why are you bringing him here? I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't do that. Uh, Rob, the, the playoffs are going on right now. Tell us who wins the East. Tell us who wins the West and who wins the championship. After watching Boston last night <laughs> and then watching him turn back the time clock. But uh, I still, I'm still thinking the East is going to be Milwaukee. I just think Giannis is the hardest playing guy in the game. He he doesn't know how to stop. His motor is he, – if, he reminds me of a big Westbrook. He, he Motor doesn't stop. Ugly three-point shooter that's streaky. You know, everything he does is streak, but he can get to the hole with the ease, with ease. Um, and then the, in the West, I just I just like Phoenix. I think Dallas done messed up. They done pissed CP3 off because someone attacked his family, which is so, so wrong. And CP3 is a better man than me. Let me say this, because if you, t- you touch my mama, you oh, touch my wife, ain't a man in the fucking world can stop me because I'm coming at you and I'm beating you down. So I think- He's a little kid though, Rob. Yeah. Huh? Who cares? I don't care. If he's old enough to put hands on my mama, I'm old enough to put hands on him. You know, so, you know, I just think, you know, I think Phoenix is one of the teams that's been consistent. Phoenix reminds me of the way the Golden State Warriors used to be, you know, moving the ball, have a, a good center, you know, like they had with Bogut that even though I think the, oh, this, this center is better than Bogut, but I just like Phoenix and the way they play. And plus, I love Monty as a coach. Monty was with, with us in 2005. We won the championship um, when I was with the Spurs. And I, he's just a – he has a great basketball mind. A lot of respect for him, man, in more ways than one. So Phoenix wins the championship, you think, this year? I think I think, I think Milwaukee still wins it. I just think, okay. you know, wow. uh, Drew is the key to that team. Once they traded for Drew, they made that made a big big difference because he runs that team. He can score when Giannis ain't scoring, and he plays tough defense. Rob, uh, thank you so much, sir, for being on. You're at Spectrum. You're one of the guys I enjoy listening to. Okay, and Barry White. I'm, I'm sorry, not Barry White, but James Worthy. I love listening <laughs> to you guys. Yeah. Rob, anything you got going on you want to talk about, sir? Well, uh, yeah, I have. A, I have a. I'm actually doing this new podcast called. Um, 
NBA Finals File. Uh, it's with me and Jabari Davis. We're doing it on iHeartRadio. And it's kind of cool because we're doing a deep dive into the greatest NBA Finals. We actually just did yours in 1984 when y'all played the Celtics. You know, but Why you do that one, Rob? We lost. It was a great game, man. It was a great game. <laughs> it was. You know, it was. Breaking it down. Mm-hmm. I don't think people people always talk about, oh, it was a time period where the NBA wasn't scoring. You guys averaged over 110 points a game in that series. And the Boston was moving. And it was... It was just a great game. And and then I didn't know you led the league in three-pointers that year. Even though oh, was- come on, baby. You know, they, they <laughs> what, gave you a game. Shot, you know, they, they didn't think a big shot coop. They gave you the big shot, Rob. That sounds better. But yeah, I can shoot. I'm but, like you, yeah. Rob. I got a shot every now and then. I had I don't get four or five shots a game. Right. So, hey, I, I, hey, you forget you talk to a guy who can relate. <laughs> So, but that that's the fun part of it, because, you know, we all, like, that NBA's Final Fall is so cool that I can just, you know, watch these games and just talk about them. And after watching this game, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been a huge fan of yours forever. I'm going to say this also. I used to, you know, wear my strings out until my high school coach said, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, they, and then, you know, I love the way you play defensive, man. You know what? They always talk about me in in Hall of Fame, but dude, there's no question in my mind. You are a Hall of Famer. You defensive player of the year. You've done so many great things for the Lakers, but more importantly, you know, you did so many great things in the community. And I also want to tell you this. When I speak to kids, I try to bring out my inner coop because the way you can control an audience, man, is fantastic, man. So I love when I have the chance to, you know, do those events with you because I steal stuff from you every time that you go we go to these events because you're so good at keeping people engaged and, and you know and, and, and moving the crowd. So man, I just want to say thank you for being you, man. Thank you, Robin. You know what? I'm gonna stroke you too because really T just got into the Hall of Fame. And Rob, I, I do. The only person I compare myself with as a player, and I like to compare myself with Kobe or Michael Jordan, but is you because you're a two-way player. You are a multi-positional defense. You can guard one, twos, threes, and fours, and then some fives. And Rob, I do believe you need to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm gonna I'm gonna go behind Rudy T on that because it's about what you give to this game. Yeah. And sometimes people look at it as people scoring all the time. Well, there's another end of the court and you play that in, Rob. And uh, again, man, thank you so much. Hopefully we get in before we die so our kids don't have to do our induction speech. <laughs> I know. Hey, hey cool. But I want, you know, it's, it's the funny part. You know, I, when I think about good defensive players, I think about you. And I think for me, the one thing I always regret is that I didn't get mad at my team in, in Houston. And what I mean by that is because, you know, this day and age, you got to have your team promote you or put you out there. In the year, they was always promoting dream. I'm like, y'all forget, dude. I'm the one who got 100 blocks and 100 steals each and every season. Why I'm not named on all defensive team? And I went back and looked. I'm like, I think I was the only one. <laughs> you know, I was like, I almost said I was the only one. It's like three of us that had 100 blocks and 100 steals. And I never got considered for an all defensive team. And that's the one regret that I have in playing this game because I never made any goals for myself individually. The only goal I told myself is, I want to be on an all-defensive team one year, and I never made it. So that's my biggest regret. I guess the seven championships, I have to, you know, ease that thing. Robin, you know, you are my all-defensive team in my heart, baby. I love you. I love you, Robert Ori. Man, you take care. Again, thank you so much for being on. Ari? You know, and and less for me, I mean, you want to talk about your – you're selling a couple of championship rings, and it's for a chair. You want to talk about the chair uh, – aren't you selling some championship rings from San Antonio? Or didn't you sell them or – Me? No, you didn't? No, uh-uh. 
Okay, there was a story out there that you were selling championship. You were selling your Spurs championship rings. Is that a fake? Is that a false story? That's that's a false. That was a false there. But you know what though? Um, people on people know this. Cooper, have you ever told the people that we get two rings? Do you know we people don't know this? But and you get when you win a championship, you get two rings. Two. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So you like for me, I. My mom has one. My dad has one. My ex-wife has one. You have 14 one. rings. Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Where my rings at? I ain't good for one. <laughs> they didn't do that for y'all, Coop? I ain't good for one. I wear my rings. Um, uh, <laughs> Robert Lori, thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And continue success you. with you, man. I know your son is playing AAU basketball. Hopefully 2-1 Elite, which is my AAU team. And Big Shot Wild, we can uh, get in one of these tournaments and play against each other. And hey, hey you, you know, all you got to do is just let him come play with you. Then we'll be good to go. All right. Hey, there you go. Rob, have a wonderful day, man. Thank uh, you so you much, too, brother. brother. Always blessings to you guys. Thanks for okay. having me on. Take care. All right.